came to America when he was six months old. He started as a stock boy at the grocery store. Eventually, he owned it. He turned it into the biggest grocery store chain in New York City. He now owns a real estate company worth over $2 billion. He ran for mayor of New York City. He almost won. You can't make this story up. This is the Cats Roundtable with John Katsimatidis. Everywhere around the world, they come to America. Good morning, America. This is the Cats Roundtable. John Katsimatidis here Sunday morning. What's going on in our country? What's going on in the world? We got one great show for you today. We have Senator Joe Manchin. Is he going to run for president? Dr. Peter Michalos. We have Janine Pirro, Steve Forbes on the economy, Senator Joe Lieberman, and let's start off with Senator Ted Cruz from Texas. He's pretty angry on some of the things going on in America. With us today is Senator Ted Cruz. Senator Cruz, uh, there's so many issues going on. Where do you want to start today? Well, John, my friend, it's good to be with you, and thank you for being a, a voice of reason and sanity in a time uh, when, when the world has, lo- has lost its way. And thank you for speaking up in particular uh, in the Big Apple, which is a tough place for common sense sometimes. And so, so I appreciate you each and every day. I got to say, right now I am more and more angry each and every day at the politicization and the weaponization of our Justice Department. We are seeing two standards of justice, one for the enemies of the White House. And we saw just this week indictment number four, although it's hard to keep track of of how many times they're going to use the legal system to go after Donald Trump. It is nakedly political. It's an abuse of power. And at the same time, we see the Biden Justice Department actively covering up and doing everything they can to protect Hunter Biden and protect Joe Biden from any consequences of their misconduct. And, and it's infuriating and deeply harmful to the rule of law in our country. Now, I don't understand, Senator, why it doesn't make any common sense. First of all, all the networks are reporting Georgia, but it's not Georgia. It's a small county in Georgia. Yep. Yep. It's like, you know, the, the joke I told on my show the other day uh, was uh, it's like Mayberry uh, and Andy Griffith was going after the, the president of the United States and his lawyers. That's exactly right. You have an elected Democrat in a very Democratic county, a county that, that votes 75-25 against Donald Trump. And she has brought an incredibly partisan indictment. She's indicted 19 people. She's indicted Donald Trump. She's indicted a whole bunch of his lawyers. And if you read through the indictment, much of the indictment is going after him for public statements Donald Trump made and for tweets he made. We don't live in a country where sending a tweet is a criminal offense. And and she's indicted his lawyers for providing them legal advice and representing their clients. This is madness. And, And the important thing to understand This is not actually about criminal justice. This is not about enforcing the law. This is politicizing and and, and this is weaponizing the justice system, and it is making criminal people expressing political views and exercising their First Amendment rights. It's an absolute abuse of power, but it is designed for one specific purpose, and the purpose is not law enforcement. It is to interfere with the election coming up next year. We've gone over 200 years of our nation's history prior to this year. 
There has never been a single president of the United States indicted. There's never been a former president of the United States indicted. There's never been a leading candidate for president of the United States indicted. We have seen that happen in the last year, not once, not twice, not three times, but four times. And it is because Democrats, both state officials like the D.A. Alvin Bragg in New York or like this D.A. in Georgia or federal officials like the Biden Justice Department, are deeply politicized. They hate Donald Trump. And here's the rub of it. They don't trust the voters. These indictments reflect a contempt for democracy. Here's what I believe those Democrat DAs think. They think, number one, every time they indict Donald Trump, his numbers go up in the Republican primary, and they want Donald Trump to be the nominee because the Democrats believe Trump is the easiest candidate to beat. But number two, what they want, their, their desperate desire is to have one trial or, from their perspective, ideally two or three or four trials all playing out in September and October of next year so that the news is dominated by attacks directed at Donald Trump. They want the next election to be entirely about their hatred for Trump. What they don't want to defend is the disastrous record of Joe Biden and the Democrats. They don't want to defend out-of-control inflation, out-of-control crime chaos of the southern border, disasters overseas, our enemies getting stronger, our, our friends pulling away from us. They, they cannot defend Biden's record, and so they want to make the election entirely about their hatred for Trump, and it reflects fundamentally a contempt for democracy by today's Democrats. Nobody in the Democratic Party, not the White House, uh, no, not the president, uh, not the uh, Senate, uh, any, any of the Senate leaders or any of the uh, uh, the uh, leaders in the uh, Congress are saying this is wrong. Is anybody in the Democratic Party standing up saying that this is wrong? I, I'm not aware of a single elected Democrat with the courage to speak out against it. Every one of them hates Donald Trump so much that they're thrilled. They're thrilled with this incredible abuse of power. And at the same time, John, I got to say the timing of each of these indictments is incredibly suspect. Every day, more and more evidence comes out of serious criminal conduct by Hunter Biden and far more importantly by Joe Biden. As you know, I do a podcast every week, three days a week. It's called Verdict with Ted Cruz. I do it Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And on the podcast, Verdict with Ted Cruz, we do a deep dive into what's actually happening. And so we've analyzed in detail the evidence against Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, and in particular, the evidence that Joe Biden solicited and received millions of dollars of bribes from foreign nationals. The, the, the evidence has now come out that while Joe Biden was vice president, the extended Biden family and his business associates received over $20 million from foreign nationals, from, from Ukraine, from Russia and Kazakhstan, over $20 million while Joe Biden is the sitting vice president. In a few months after he left the vice presidency, his family and associates received an additional $8 million from the Chinese communists. So that's $28 million from China, Russia, Ukraine, and Kazakhstan. Now, John, look, you're a very successful businessman, but people don't pay someone like Hunter Biden $28 million just because he's fun to have at a party and he uses up all the cocaine. They pay him because he's delivering something that they want. And, and the allegations, that the FBI recorded the allegations 
from a confidential human source in a report they called the FD-1023. The allegations in that FD-1023 are that Joe Biden and Hunter Biden both solicited and received millions of dollars of bribes in exchange for official favors from Joe Biden when he was vice president. Now, if that's the case, then Joe Biden is guilty of bribery. And Understood. if that is true, Biden should be impeached. He should be removed from office. He should be prosecuted and he should yes. go to jail. There's a reason. Let's talk about specifies bribery. Let's talk about uh, Attorney General Garland and appointing yeah. the Delaware Attorney General as what he did last week. Well, John, it's, it's disgraceful. Merrick Garland named David Weiss, who is the U.S. attorney for Delaware, to be the special counsel investigating Hunter Biden. It's important to understand why he did that. He did that to cover up and protect Hunter Biden and to, and to cover up and protect Joe Biden. At this point, the allegations that have come out, we've had two senior IRS career officials come forward as whistleblowers and allege that Merrick Garland lied to Congress under oath. In fact, he lied in response to my questioning about this investigation. Lying under oath to Congress is a felony punishable by serious prison time. They also allege that he and underlings, including potentially David Weiss, committed obstruction of justice, that, that they gave Hunter Biden and his legal team a heads up. They tipped him off before Biden was investigated. They gave him a heads up and tipped him off before search warrants were executed, which gave him the opportunity to destroy evidence, and that they prohibited the investigation from inquiring in any way, shape, or form to criminality, corruption, or bribery from Joe Biden. They made that off limits. No questions about the big guy. No questions about Joe Biden. And so when Merrick Garland appoints David Weiss to be special counsel, what he's saying is, I want the guy who is in the middle of this cover-up, who's been alleged to be actively obstructing justice, I want him in charge of this investigation to ensure that nothing goes back on Joe Biden. It's an absolute abuse of power. It's also illegal, and I discussed this in, in my podcast, Verdict, why it is illegal. The Department of Justice rules require that a special counsel be from outside the Justice Department, but Merrick Garland didn't want an actual objective and fair prosecutor. He wanted someone he knew would be compliant in protecting Joe Biden and the Biden White House. Does the attorney general have the ability to tie up the Senate's hands when uh, they, he has lied, David Weiss lied to the Senate? He should not. Now, they're going to try. But, but to be honest, DOJ is trying anyway. DOJ is trying to actively prevent Congress from investigating and engaging in oversight. DOJ, the FBI is stonewalling. The FBI refuses to answer questions from Congress, refuses to answer any questions? I, I've questioned directly the director of the FBI, the deputy director of the FBI. What investigations that did, did they do about the allegations that Joe Biden solicited and received millions of dollars of bribes? They refused to answer. Did they interview and did they follow up on the FD-1023? They refused to answer. The FD-1023 alleges there are 17 telephone recordings of conversations between the Ukrainian oligarch who was bribing Joe Biden. And the Bidens, 15 of them with Hunter Biden, two of them with Joe Biden himself. I asked the FBI, do these 17 recordings exist? They refuse to answer. Do you have those 17 recordings? They refuse to answer. Will you give them to Congress? They refuse to answer. This is John Katz from Katie's. If you want to hear the full interview, go to WABCRadio.com.
This is the Catch Roundtable. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Catch Roundtable. With us today is Senator Joe Manchin, a uh, United States Senator, Democrat from West Virginia. Common sense, a lot of common sense, and been been uh, rumored to be talking to uh, uh, no labels on a possible, possible run and a third-party ticket. Who knows what happens? The world's so complicated. Senator Manchin, welcome to our show this morning, and tell us what the heck is going on in the world. Uh, there's problems in the Democratic Party. There's problems in the Republican Party. There's problems all over. Where do you want to start? Well, first of all, let me just thank you, John, for having me back on. It's always great to be with you and your audience and the people that you reach. They're basically are looking for common answers, and, and they want to live their life in a norm, more normal atmosphere. And this is not normal. This is so abnormal, the political arena we're in today, John. And, and you know what's scary is that they're starting to people are believing that it's never going to change, so they're starting to accept the extreme abnormal, and that's that's scary, John. It really is scary because it's nothing normal about this whatsoever, nothing. So that's what we're doing, and, and I'm trying to bring some common sense to it, and I've just told people none of you live your life this way. None of you basically can continue, whether it be financially or the security for your family or anything that we're doing and setting the example by government because it's not working, and we need to change. And, you know, sometimes you've got to threaten with options. I know you talked about no labels. I've been involved for a long time since they began. It started in a meeting that I went in December. I think it was December or January of 2010 or 11 when I first heard about a group that were disgruntled with what was going on. They wanted to change They wanted to come back to normal, and they've been fighting it ever since. But we'll see what happens. But people need to have opportunities and need to have basically some options, and that's not what they're getting today. And maybe we can shove them back to, uh, to the more normal times. If not, then the people make some decisions on what direction they want our country to go. So we're going to be out there I, fighting. I understand this. The, the, the biggest problems I see is, and I don't understand uh, President Biden, is the border crisis that they still, they keep coming and coming and coming. Yeah. The fentanyl crisis where the Chinese gangs give fentanyl to the Mexican gangs and they killed 100,000 Americans. The fact that these migrants are coming to New York City where I live, and there's 100,000 migrants with no place to put them, making the life of the ordinary citizen miserable. You, you know, you can't walk. You know, our restaurants used to be open to midnight. Our, our uh, supermarkets, our drugstores open to midnight. You can't walk around after dark anymore in New York. I mean, why is this happening to our country? John, basically, uh, the amount of crime that you see going on, and, and I, it's so disturbing to watch on television. I can only imagine living in a city where it's actually happening. And these gangs of these gangs of youth just, just come in and bang and rob, grab bag, they call it, in the middle of the day, and nobody does anything about it, thinking it's okay and it's better not to confront them. Uh, that's not who we are. I mean, you know, we are a country of rules and laws, and the rule of law is something that makes us unique from the rest of the countries of the world, and we're not even adhering to our own uh, rules uh, to how we govern ourselves and and, and take care of our society and protect our citizens throughout the country. So, so that has to change, John. You just can't accept that as a normal anymore whatsoever. And these people have to be able to, to, to face the consequences of the crimes they're committing. 
and we have to get tough on that. And I don't, it doesn't have to be incarceration, but it should be a work if you're going to do anything. If I catch somebody doing something that's not of a violent crime, but it's still a crime, they're going to pay to society. They're going to give back to services to society. There's nothing wrong with that, whether it's basically helping clean up the streets or basically performing services that are needed throughout the throughout the city or throughout all of our states. But I, I can't even explain why we've gotten so loose on crime. And as far as the border, John, there is no excuse to have the poorest border. Democrats have got to come to grips that we have got to shut this border down and make it as tight as possible if you want to maintain the country we have. We have to hold China responsible for the precursors they're sending of fentanyl to the cartels in Mexico. We have to hold Mexico accountable for allowing the cartels to make this deadly drug. One pill can kill, and it is. And the age group that is killing is the effect of basically taking away our working group, the people that we depend on in that working age, childbearing ages and things of that sort. And if you want to destroy our society, destroy that group, that 18 to 40 uh, year group. Uh, and that's it's just something we can't tolerate. And you're exactly correct. We're losing more Americans to the fentanyl attack in our country than we have in all the wars put together. Now, we're losing 100,000 Americans to fentanyl. And the other big statistic all of a sudden, 50,000 suicides in America last year. So between 100,000 in fentanyl and 50,000 in suicides, my God, what's going on in our country? Just, there's no excuse, and especially I'll tell you, John, it's even more, more alarming, and everything you just mentioned is that most of that and a lot, awful lot of the suicides we're having is within our uh, veterans, people that basically sacrificed, put that uniform on and sacrificed their life for us and came back and took their own. Now, there's something wrong there. We're allowing this to happen and not basically intervening before before they just discharge or leave the service, that they're in solid mental shape as well as physical shape also. We should take care of them. That's our responsibility. But to have this many and then having the attack on social media with the youth that's forcing and, and, and the battering that comes in within the social media, that children are now taking their own lives because they don't think they're worthy enough or don't live up to expectations, this is something that has to stop. And we're looking at everything we should, but we're not doing anything nearly enough to intervene to prevent this uh, scourge as far as on America. Senator, the other thing that uh, personally bothers me is ethics in our Justice Department. It, it seems like there's two types of justices in this world, the people that have the in and the people that are not in, they're out. Ethics amongst lawyers. I mean, uh, what happened in, in Georgia, I know that they're going after the, Donald Trump's lawyers and I don't know what the lawyers did wrong other than being lawyers. Well, they still have – they have to be held accountable by the bar. And as far as the rule of law, if your lawyers and the judges and the judicial system is not going to hold itself at a higher standard, uh, then we've got serious problems. And the rule of law is not going to have the same meaning it has throughout mine and your lifetime anyway. And, you know, Madam Justice is blindfolded on most every statue that you see in every courthouse because she's not partial to whether what your class is and what your wealth is and where you live and, and what color you may be in your gender. That doesn't matter to her at all. And now it looks like, you know, people are starting to be concerned that the, the uh, law only pertains to somebody else than you or me. That's not the way. It's whether you're a senator, whether you're the president, or whether you're an average person walking the streets of America. We all should be held accountable to the same rules. And uh, it seems that that is not what's happening today. And I can assure you that a lot of the things that I see going on, that uh, people are, have all these lawyers and they're spending millions and millions of dollars, some of these things that people, the average person, would have been put in jail a long time ago.
Senator, we had uh, Governor McCrory on uh, the other day from No Labels, and he says that the decision if they're going to run a third-party candidate for No Labels, they're already in 10 states, will be made on uh, Super Tuesday. Any thoughts? And you've been a member of No Labels. I wasn't. Yeah. When you were a member in 2010, 2011, 2012, I think I was a member then, too. Yeah. Yeah. Any John thoughts? And I were, yeah. yeah. Well, first of all, John Huntsman and I, we felt that if No Labels, if it's going to be true No Labels, then it should be from people on both sides of the aisle, both parties, Democrats and Republicans, saying, I think we can do better than this. We can get our country back on track. So John Huntsman and I were the first honorary chairman, uh, co-chairs of No Labels being a Democrat and Republican, looking at basically how we would govern being Americans and not being Democrats or Republicans. And we still believe as we did then. Pat McCrory is a good man. He's out there trying to do what he thinks is right, and he's putting his time and effort to where his beliefs are, and I thank him for that. And uh, it's commendable. The bottom line is, is would you rather take the uh, position that you're going to be prepared in case we go down a situation to where the candidates that are going to be offered by the Democrat and Republican parties are going to be people that even the party themselves do not wish to have as the representative, but there's no other options whatsoever? Or do you want to be prepared that things could be different and you would have options? And I think that's all they're preparing for. And I commend them for that. They're working very hard towards that. And all they're asking for is, do, do, does this, do the citizens of the United States want some other options? And I think if whatever you see comes out of no labels, and if it comes out of a group moving in that direction, it's going to be a former Democrat, former Republican probably, at the top of a ticket showing that you can bring this country together by governing together, not by condemning the other side, which is what they do now. If you're a Democrat, they expect you to villainize every Republican. If you're a Republican, you should villainize the Democrats. That's not the way our founding fathers intended for this democracy to work. Understood. They intended for us to work together. We got a minute left or so. What okay. is what is on your chest that you want to get off and tell the American people? Well, first of all, we should be concerned about the debt. For 21 years in a row, we've spent more money than we've taken in. You cannot continue to mount this debt that we have. It'll be crushing on our society and the basics of what we need to protect ourselves and give opportunities to every American. The debt will bring you down, and that's basically what my concern is. The other concern is the crime that's going on, the border security that we have, the energy security that we must have and continue to have an all-in energy policy that makes sense and provides energy for us to be the greatest nation on earth but be able to help our allies. It'll stick with us. And also making sure that we have geopolitical sense enough to not get in areas of the world where basically the values were never going to change their values, but also be able to fight and protect and help those who wish to have the same freedoms that we have. So there's so many things that we could be doing differently, but we've got to set an example, which we're not doing. So, you know, I, so people, people will follow if you lead. They won't follow and basically complain and, and just gripe about everything that's wrong and blame somebody else. This is John Katzmatidis. If you want to hear the full interview, go to WABCRadio.com. This is the Cats Roundtable. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Cats Roundtable. If you ever miss a segment or want to hear it again, go to WABCRadio.com, go to podcasts, go to minicasts, and play back your favorite segment. Go see the doctor. With us today is Dr. Peter Mihalos, and uh, he is our in-house uh, genius, historian, knows about medical uh, uh, items, and one good guy, Dr. Peter Mihalos. Uh, what's on our mind this Sunday morning? Well, today, John, we're going to talk about an interesting topic that's very important, and that is dental health and how dental health 
uh, relates to our longevity. And they found that certain types of gum disease, for example, certain bacteria that grow within the mouth are associated with heart disease. And what they found was those bacteria that are found in the mouth in gum disease are also found in plaque that's inside the actual heart plaques that cause heart attacks and strokes. And that's very interesting. And somehow the bad bacteria are seeping in to the bloodstream and activating inflammation. People who have this type of inflammation, it seems to raise also certain blood markers like the sedimentation rate, the C-reactive protein, the homocysteine levels. So sometimes when people have inflammation that nobody can find, sometimes it can end up being an infection somewhere in the body. Like some people can have an ongoing bone infection, osteomyelitis sitting in their bone somewhere, and it's elevating and nobody understands it. Or gum disease can actually do it too. So they found that people who have gum disease and certain bacteria that grow in the mouth have a two and a half times greater chance of having cancer, which is also very interesting. And for example, in esophageal fat cancer, they found that there's one type of bacteria called the Neisseria species and strep pneumonia species found in the mouth. When that is higher, those people have a higher incidence of esophageal cancer. And I was having a uh, discussion with Dr. Uh, Adam Baer and Dr. Robert Segarelli. Adam Baer is a periodontist. They specialize in gum disease. And he was saying that the first signs are uh, bleeding of the gums, sensitivity of the gums, swelling of the gums, loose teeth. And that's why it's important to maintain our gum health. And during COVID, what we found was many people did not go get their cleanings, did not follow up with their dentist. So we're seeing a lot more gum disease. Therefore, you can translate that into we're going to be seeing more heart attacks and strokes because the arteries that feed our heart pump, those tend to get plaque inside them. And inside that plaque is calcium, and it's like basically dried oils and cholesterol plaques. But inside them, they also have these bacteria. So the bottom line is we're reminding people to go to your dentist, get cleanings probably at least twice a year, a minimum getting an annual exam by your dentist, and work on your dental health. And they found that people who between age 64 and 65 have at least 20 teeth that are still there have a, a lower incidence of having heart and stroke problems. But even if you had, for example, dental problems when you were younger and you lost a lot of teeth, if you change your diet, you can change the whole course of that and reduce the inflammation. Because when they dig up skulls from ancient times or even 2,000 years ago, guess what they find? They find the skulls intact with no cavities. Why? Because back then our ancestors didn't have processed food and refined sugar. So all these ancient skulls didn't have cavities. But when you look at a modern man uh, a skull or someone who's passed away and you look 20, 30, 40 years ago, the mouths are filled with cavities. So this is an important lesson in longevity and dental health, and we're going to be talking more Dr. about it on the show. Dr. Mihalos, uh, they, uh, I used to take an information test. I forget that what it was. It was a three-digit ESR, uh, ESR test. Will that ESR yes. test be good for your uh, all areas of your body? Yes, it's a test that shows all areas of body and general inflammation. 
the same way that the C-reactive protein is another inflammatory marker. And oral and gum health can sometimes be the source of that. As many times people do scans, x-rays, blood tests, and they can't find out where the inflammation is, but then when they have a good periodontal evaluation, they find out that sometimes it comes from the gums. And that inflammation is also associated with heart plaques and heart inflammation. So that's yeah, why... The ESR test, I think, if you remind me, the range was like from from 1 to 20 or something, and it had to be, for for females, it had to be below a certain number, and males, it's like below 15. Yep, yep, 0 to 20 is the average for both male and female. When you come back and you get an ESR of 76, then you, you start looking for things like rheumatoid arthritis, myalgias, other inflammatory bowel conditions, and now, of course, you know, gum disease is also a problem. I had a root canal that failed, and my they couldn't figure out why my C-reactive protein was elevated, and then I had to have that root canal redone and repaired, and then my C-reactive protein went back to normal because I had an occult. Occult means hidden, a hidden inflammation somewhere in the body. So this is a marker that's a good blood test when you go to your doctor and they do check. That's a good inflammatory test to do as well. That's oftentimes not ordered, but we always remind people to order that and also things like yes. the heavy metal screen like you and I both have had and found out we had elevated mercury. Yes, exactly. I mean, I always just tell my doctor, make sure we do an ESR test to see the level of an inflammation because that will show you about other problems. And also the other thing that we, me and you discussed over dinner is to make sure if we were eating the wrong fish, our mercury count was going up. And if, if I was drinking the wrong water that had too much arsenic in it, and I won't mention the brand, I stopped right. drinking that water and my arsenic count went down. So lead, arsenic, and mercury tests should always be done like at least once a year. Yeah, absolutely. You ask for what's called a heavy metal screen, which encompasses all three of those tests. Because we want to keep our audience healthy and alive and keep listening for more health tips to keep everyone alive and healthy and to live to be 100. Well, Dr. Peter Michalos, thank you so much for keeping our audience uh, longer. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Our, our audience will outlive all the other audiences because you get the truth out every week on the Cats Roundtable. With us this Sunday morning is Judge Janine Pirro, and uh, she is mad as heck on certain things going on. Judge Janine Pirro, tell us what, the, what your thoughts are this Sunday morning. Well, listen, I uh, first of all, I'm thinking about my show this Sunday morning, and I'm going to have a great guest. Laura Trump is going to talk about the uh, impact of all of these indictments on the former president. But right now, I think what is really bothering me is this whole immigration situation. Look, we have had a minimum of two and a half million people in the last two years. Some people say it's as many as five million who crossed the border. And, you know, both Governor Abbott from Texas and DeSantis from Florida were accused of being racist, inhumane, and engaging in political stunts by sending the migrants from, or the illegal aliens, that's what they are. I mean, everybody changes language to make it seem not as severe as it is. And so they sent them, those two governors, to the northern states. Now, what's happening now is the northern state governors, like the governor in Massachusetts, a Democrat, and the mayor in New York City, Eric Adams, along with the mayor in Chicago, Brendan Johnson, they're now moving these people to the suburbs. So I guess they must be racist and inhumane and engaging in political stunts. But here's the problem. 
Mayor Adams in particular has apparently given out a no-bid contract of $432 million to an organization called DOCGO. This organization has sent several people to Erie County. And in Erie County, I think it's a few hundred, one of these illegals was charged with raping a woman in front of her three-year-old child, and another one is charged with sexual assault in Cheektowaga and Buffalo in Erie. And so now the question is, the Erie County has stopped receiving any of these illegal aliens and is looking at Mayor Adams and saying, who the hell are you sending to us? And you've got this organization. Are you screening them? Here's a the problem, John. You can't screen them. Brandon Johnson from Chicago is sending them to rural areas and they don't want them. But here's the kicker, John. School is starting in two weeks. These children of illegal immigrants about whom we know nothing, if you may recall, they, are, they, they throw out all their documentation before they cross the border. We let them in and say, you know, gee, can you show up in court in about five or six years? We'd really appreciate it. Of course, they're not going to do that. We don't know who they are. We don't know what their criminal record is as evidence of what's going on in Erie County through this ridiculous organization, DocGo, that has got millions of dollars of New York City taxpayer money to send them out. But now these kids are going into the schools. Have they been vaccinated? Have they even been examined? Do we have to now hire teachers? Because the law requires when these illegals come in and these kids go to school, we have to hire teachers who speak their language. Now, there was a time when all the illegals came from Mexico. Well, that is long gone. They're coming from Pakistan. They're coming from India. They're coming from Brazil and Portugal and all kinds of other countries. And so the local school boards now have to hire teachers for which they don't have a budget, for which you pay your school taxes, and everyone listening knows what I'm talking about, to educate these kids. And what is the impact on our American kids? Do they suffer? We already know they're suffering. I mean, as Eric Adams in New York wanted to move them uh, out of the gyms to put illegals there, and now these kids are coming in about whom we know nothing. And let's talk about their level of understanding. So if you've got a 14-year-old boy, John, that speaks English at the level of a third grader, that 14-year-old is going into the third grade with your little girl who's eight years old. This is yeah, It's a, a major effect. problem. It's a major problem. We had Dr. Michalos and we had Dr. Siegel uh, on, the, on the station the other day, and they're concerned about all the diseases that nobody, these kids would never check some balances, and these diseases might be transferable to uh, the American kids, and that's not fair. It's not fair. They haven't been checked, but think about what the Biden administration has done here. When we were being locked down, John, the Biden administration, when there was COVID, we were locked down. We had to wear a mask. We couldn't go to work if we didn't get a vaccine, which we now know doesn't prevent COVID. And you lost your job if you didn't want to get the vaccine or for whatever reason you couldn't. And yet the illegals were not even asked. They were openly allowed to come into the country, not even tested. And they had the right, if somebody offered them the vaccine, to refuse it. Tell me, uh, Judge Janine, you're going to be on at 11 o'clock on the Judge Janine show, uh, WABC Radio uh, Worldwide. What are you going to talk about at 11 o'clock on WABCRadio.com? Well, I can't wait to talk to Laura Trump about her take on the latest Georgia indictment, the fact that they've indicted Donald Trump under the RICO statute as though he's a mob boss. And honestly, I believe that that Georgia statute, that is indictment, 
that a lot of that is covered in the January 6th indictment of, of, of Jack Smith in Washington. I don't know how they can both go forward at the same time. The feds have preeminence. They go forward. But in addition to that, how is this going to impact Donald Trump's run for the presidency? And we're also going to talk about schools with Charlie Hurt and what's going on with immigration. And already because of because of COVID, John, our kids already are behind in terms of national statistics yes. and international statistics. We're falling and behind. now they're going to be slowed down even more. I'll be what listening to you. I'll be listening to you between 11 and 12 on WABCradio.com worldwide. Thank you so much, Janine. And, uh, and Judge, Thanks, we love you, God. and we'll catch up. Love you more. Bye-bye. This is the Cats Roundtable. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Cats Roundtable. With us today this, uh, is Steve Forbes. Uh, Steve Forbes, uh, what is your biggest concern? What keeps you up at 3 o'clock in the morning? Other than the state of the New York Yankees and the New York Mets, what uh, keeps me up is the grab by the government, the control of the economy, what you might call modern socialism. They're doing it through regulation. Uh, you have the EPA uh, trying to use regulations to uh, dis- uh, disband gasoline-powered automobiles and force us into EVs. You have other agencies uh, putting on huge controls on the economy. And those bills that Congress passed, the CHIPS Act and uh, the so-called Inflation Reduction Act, are providing, John, hundreds of billions of dollars in cash and subsidies that are going to be made available to private companies if they play ball with the federal government. If you're in a business and your competitors are getting lots of money, free money from Uncle Sam, you're going to have to feel you're going to have to do the same thing to stay competitive. So it's a way for the government to get control of the economy without approval of Congress, and few people are paying much attention to it. Yeah, they see subsidies, but they don't realize this is not just about subsidies. This is about controlling huge pieces of the American economy, starting with the auto industry. Well, it happens. uh, uh, Electric vehicles, uh, Ford made a decision that they've been losing in the last two quarters. They lost like seven, eight billion dollars. And they decided that they're not going to do electric vehicles going forward. They're going to do more hybrids. And uh, Toyota chairman decided that uh, they're going to give people a choice, whether they want diesel, whether they want hybrid, or whether they want uh, electric vehicle or ordinary gas. What, What else have you heard? Well, what, uh, what, what you find is that these auto executives are finally waking up that they should pay attention to their customers who prefer the internal combustion engine, i.e. gasoline and diesel, using those fossil fuels. But the EPA has come out with a regulation, 700 pages, that uh, mandates that by 2032, virtually no new cars can be sold in the U.S. that are powered by fossil fuels, which is just preposterous. And the government is continuing to do these uh, regulations, uh, forcing uh, companies to do things they wouldn't do otherwise. You see it in banking. You see it in high tech. You see it in the chip making industry. Boy, they were really a bit the bait. Oh, we're going to get this free money. Then they find out Uncle Sam tells them what what your uh, policies are on personnel, on uh, parental leave and the like. Uh, Uncle Sam does not give money any more than Tony Soprano gives money without a price. (laughs) Definitely, there's always a price. And uh, what I've noticed, by the way, uh, on Friday, uh, the 30-year mortgage was over 7%. Who's going to buy houses? I mean, are we leading to destroying our economy because we're destroying almost every sector? Yes, and they're putting on regulations in every household appliance. 
anything that makes life easier. They want they seem to want to destroy. That's what the Republicans have to hammer home, whether it's energy, whether it's automobiles, whether it's your dishwasher, whether it's your shower head, whatever. These people are trying to control without the without the consent of the government, without the consent of the people. We saw what they did with gas stoves. They said, oh, we're not going to abolish gas stoves. However, they put in regulations that would make illegal 96 percent of gas stoves that are out there. As we know in New York, they're trying to do away with our traditional pizzas. These people are stopping at nothing, and they're turning us into European-style economies where instead of the usual 3.5%, 4% we've done historically, we're going to be a punk rate of barely 1%. And that's not America, and it's bad for us, and it's bad for the world. On Friday, China's big property company, uh, Evergrande, filed for bankruptcy, and it's billions and billions and billions What's going on? I mean, didn't the, by the Fed raising the rates so f- fast, so high, doesn't that cause the bankruptcies in the real estate industry? Sure it does. Uh, because for a generation, especially in commercial real estate, you mentioned housing as well, had suppressed interest rates. And uh, as a result, uh, people got used to uh, having uh, virtually free money. But as you know, in the commercial real estate sector, there's uh, over hundred, there are hundreds of billions of dollars of loans that are going to be reset in terms of interest rates, which is going to, uh, and you already have the company still having a problem getting people coming back to the office. We see what's happening in midtown Manhattan. And so you put that together, high vacancy rate, higher costs of, of your debts, your mortgages, got a real crisis. And that's why the Federal Reserve should leave interest rates alone, let the marketplace set interest rates and stop trying to hurt the economy. The Fed still believes you got to slow the economy down to fight inflation. All that does is create more poverty, political problems. And because of those problems, you get more spending. You're going to create a recession, possibly even worse than a recession, by trying to bring down, well, the the CPI was like 3%. I mean, I'm satisfied at, at this point at 3% versus destroying our economy. Well, that's right. And, the, and they, they, they should just let the marketplace settle things. As you know, in a, in a real marketplace, if something is desirable, people will buy more of it. Prices may go up. Companies figure out how to make it better, cheaper. And uh, let, let, let uh, free people decide these things, not unelected bureaucrats who are more interested in control than they are in the general prosperity. This is what made America, and you're an example of it, the most mighty nation in the world, was precisely that people anywhere from any background can have a chance uh, to make something of themselves, do something unusual without uh, government permission. They just went out and tried it, and their success is our success, everyone's success. Steve Forbes, thank you for coming on, and and uh, we pray for America. Let's hope that uh, uh, the leadership in Washington does the right thing so America doesn't suffer and Americans don't suffer anymore. That's right. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. With us today is Senator Joe Lieberman. He's been acting uh, as chairman of No Labels, but he is a worldwide statesman. So, uh, Senator uh, Lieberman... Where would you like to start? It's your floor. Thanks, John. Always really good to be with you. So I'll start with no labels because we're involved in something different this year. We we started about 13 years ago as a group that really was going to try to overcome some of the partisanship in Washington to try to bring uh, Republicans and Democrats together to solve some problems for the country the way it's always happened in American history. And I think we've done pretty well at at helping 
to elect more centrist, independent Republicans and Democrats, and they in turn have worked together to help the last two presidents, certainly President Trump and President Biden, to get some good things done that wouldn't have happened otherwise. But in the last year or so, our members said, you know, we've never been involved in a presidential race, but maybe we're never going to really stop the partisanship and gridlock unless we have a president that's committed to bipartisanship. Why don't we think about running our own ticket? So we thought about it and we said, well, uh, that's something we really can't decide until we see what the two parties do next year. But the one thing we know because of the, uh, the rules of the game, we got to start now to get on the ballot and for a separate uh, no labels line in all 50 states. And I'm really proud to say that we've now crossed 10 states in which we're qualified for a third line. And we're going to keep on going, hopefully to get to 20 or 25 by the end of the year. And what motivates us Not that we want to run a ticket, but we hope that maybe the strength that we're showing will be a message to the two parties to try to come back toward the center and and at least not to change what they think is right, but to begin to work together for the good of the country. I mean, the reality is, John, that there's never been as much anger toward the two parties and as many people in our country uh, who are identifying themselves today as independents, and that's the group we want to speak for one way or the other in next year's presidential race. So what we're thinking about is the possibility of actually running a bipartisan ticket for president or vice president next year, a third ticket, which will be the first time that's happened since 1864 with Abraham Lincoln and Andrew Johnson. Uh, we'll, We'll see what happens. Common sense has to prevail, Senator, and me and you have always uh, believed in that. And and it's crazy. There's the one thing I've seen in Washington lately is a lot of hate, hate on both sides. And I I just don't understand right. that. We used to be, you know, what what should be is we're all Americans and we we should fight for America. The problems we have with our borders. It's crazy. I've been talking about it with everybody. Uh, New York uh, City is uh, underwater uh, with all the migrants. I mean, our country, our borders are are, are under attack, and I I just uh, I'm having difficulty saying what's next. No, John, I agree with you. Look, I want to you you use two words, common sense, and people in Washington seem to have. Uh, lost it. I mean, uh, No Labels put out a uh, kind of a platform for next year's election at a big event up in New Hampshire about six weeks ago. We called it our common sense agenda. And uh, I mean, in it, we actually have a platform uh, policy on immigration. You know, we make the point that immigration has been good for our country. And in some ways, we'd like to see more legal immigration because illegal Immigration really helps the country. But you've got to have border security. We're a country of law, and you've got to have laws to say who can come in and who can't. And right now we don't. And look, part of what we're saying is if the members of Congress of both parties and the next president sit down at a table, they can work this out. And it's pretty clear what they got to do. they got to toughen security at the borders, which is – uh, has been somewhat toughened, but not enough, obviously, because uh, too many people are coming here illegally. And then we've got to figure out how to uh, let in more legal immigrants, frankly, like our families, John, who were 
this was the greatest gift of, of uh, their lives to become Americans. And, and you and I, as their children and grandchildren, have been blessed to be able to live our lives in this great country. So it's all about balance. And you, what, you're, what you're saying is right, John. There's too much hatred in Washington. I mean, there's always been differences of opinion. But today, you don't just have a, have a difference of opinion in a debate on an issue on the floor in Congress, but you treat the other person as, as if they were a member of an enemy nation. This is John Katz from TV's. If you want to hear the full interview, go to WABCRadio.com. Thank you for listening to the Cats Roundtable every Sunday morning. We'll bring you the latest in what's happening in our community, our country, and the world. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Have a nice Sunday. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.